Episode 2 of the Naturally Abilene Podcast brought to you by Oddly Natural, Digital, Branding, and PR. Really excited about bringing the second episode to you. Be sure to uh, like and subscribe wherever you can find your podcast. Uh, that really helps us get up in the rankings, and we would love to be the uh, number one podcast here in Abilene. So, uh, really excited. Uh, I think we told you last time we're always going to be making changes and, and tweaks to make this the best we possibly can, and uh, this episode is going to be no different. Uh, in a second, you'll see a little bit of change in our format. Uh, we're going to try this out for you know for the foreseeable future. No big deal. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, some conversations with Alex and I. Uh, our feedback from our first episode was that uh, a number of y'all liked hearing Alex and I talk about different issues. And so Alex and I are just going to talk about some, uh, not really issues of the day. We want to try to keep it somewhat evergreen, uh, but some different issues that um, maybe happening today, but have longer reaching impacts. Um, probably going to be focused on local stuff here in Abilene, some uh, marketing things, uh, and then a little bit of politics just because uh, if you know Alex or I, that's something that we're constantly delving in. So at the end of the last podcast, we kind of joked about having just turning on a recorder and talking. Uh, we're going to see how, how that works. Um, it may just um, spiral into madness and, and we may change it next week, but uh, we're going to try it for this week. So uh, stay tuned. We still do have our conversation with James Bredwell of Sock Dollar Brewing Company, um, and that'll be at the end and then followed by the very end uh, this week in Abilene. So let's get started with episode two, and uh, here's our conversation with Alex and I just talking about what's going on uh, uh, this week. Okay, Alex, we are here, um, episode two. This wasn't necessarily the plan. Um, let's start here, though, because I want to talk to everybody that's listening. Um, we believe in telling your story and being authentic and those stupid things. And so uh, I wanted to, to take the beginning of the, this conversation that we're going to have, kind of walking people through why we're making changes so quickly to the podcast and, and um, why we decided to... to for us to have a conversation every single po- every single podcast, and so, um, you know, we sat down the at the after the first episode, and I had some issues getting it posted. It took longer on these different things, but finally got it posted. Um, started to get feedback, um, and this us having a conversation every time was was really one of your ideas. And so, um, why do you think this was something that we should do that we should try out? And what was kind of your thinking behind all that? Well, it hit me in the middle of our first podcast conversation. We talked so much about branding and the importance of um, continuity and telling your story the right way every single time so that people get to know you and you know form a bond with you. And people of Abilene, your last podcast was great, but I think you said like the numbers wavered from week to week quite a bit based on who the guest was. And so I just thought... You know, a lot of people um, know us and, and, and know the way that we like to talk and discuss things. And um, maybe they would enjoy that and enjoy getting to know us a little bit better week to week. And then we can introduce them to a community member. And I don't know. I thought it would be a lot of fun, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it was like, like you said, we kind of joked about it at the end of the last episode. So we'll just we'll see if we can keep a, keep a straight yeah. face and actually get yeah. something <laughs> relatively decent conversation had. Um, and so, so I'll kind of drive some of the topics, but, 
Um, for the first time, for a lot of people, I will actually be giving some thoughts. Typically, I'm just asking questions, Yay. but we'll, we'll see how that goes. People Insert are gonna the clap sound effect. Yeah, people are not going to be happy about that. That's okay. Um, I think let's start here. Um, we'll start with, with something funny, and then we'll go to a little bit more serious, and maybe we'll hit something funny if I can think of something. But uh, the news of the week, and, and that's kind of what this is going to be. Somewhat of the news of the week um, on different levels, um, but again, trying to keep something... Uh, somewhat topical that can last what we call evergreen um, <laughs> has been IHOP. Um, and I'm going to say this now and, and we'll move on, but quote unquote, changing their name to IHOB. Um, you're already grinning at me. Uh, we've already had this conversation <laughs> off, off the record. Uh, so go ahead and tell me what you think uh, what, as, as a PR branding person that, that you've seen from IHOB. I cannot take IHOB seriously. Okay, it's genius, though. It's brilliant. I mean, it makes me so happy. I, I, I can't take it seriously, but who takes IHOB serious anyway? You know, I mean, it's the 2, 3 a.m. for all of us, maybe like the... Weekends when we're desperate for a good break, I mean, a decent breakfast. Um, but it, it's brilliant. So yeah, I mean, obviously it's a publicity stunt. Um, they do we know if they paid the other corporate America to get involved? I mean, I think we could probably speculate there had to be some kind of trade there. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, really, it's brilliant. Some of the memes coming out of it. I mean, this is going to last a lifetime, and um, it's temporary. I think people are, I mean, that's, people are going to be just as happy when they go back to IHOP. Um, and I think it's going to last. And they got their money's worth for sure. This is one of those, and this is where I'm going to have to be really careful because I'm going to let people that don't know me as well into my mind a little bit. And this is where get it ready, get, y'all. kind of scary because I have these conversations with me, within <laughs> myself all the time. And I voice <laughs> them to you sometimes, but I cannot find a landing place when it comes to this because I think you're right. When I first saw it, I got really upset. Like, <laughs> genuinely, like, this is the dumbest thing. Justin, I, it's, it's been our news of the morning for two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I've been really distraught over it. And then and then I thought, okay, well, it's just a publicity stunt. Like, that's pretty funny. Like, we all played exactly into the hands. Like, that marketing <laughs> person was brilliant. Like, all they wanted to do was promote that they're serving, like, this line of burgers down. And all they had to do was basically, like, play into the fact that everyone loves to get angry on the internet and like nothing is funnier, nothing is more yes. compelling than people getting angrier on the internet. And so they played right into it and like they did exactly what they're trying to do. And so like I've gone from like mad to like, okay, this is genius. And then I'm like, then I think about, okay, well, but the whole point of it was to promote this line of burgers. And I wanted to scream. I was like, your company's name is International House of Pancakes. You are a b- breakfast place. Be who you are. We talk about this all the time in branding. It's like when when you are trying to be a million things, you're not going to be anything. We talk, and and okay, but let me just Forbes Forbes had did a really good article on it. One of their quotes is: "Millennials aren't monolithic. Many want mainstream flavor, large plates, and abundant flavor." I mean, you got to kind of agree with that. Like, there, I think I don't know that we're necessarily but do their that pancakes. Like, I guess, but they, I mean, they already have a million different pancake flavors, and you and I are millennials, but I don't think we're necessarily that demographic. Like you said, they, and I said they got their money's worth. They might. I don't. I mean, me, I think this was a brilliantly. Here's the end of the deal. Are you more likely to go to IHOP because they get a burger? I wasn't likely to go to IHOP before. Right. But because they offer burgers now, is that what's going to drive you there? No, but That's I, my point. But like, again, I don't think I'm their target market. But they, but you are. But like, they want every consumer in. So what they have to say is, okay. But I think this is going to work brilliantly for people who who don't enjoy 
quality food as much as I do. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I'm not saying I was not good. I'm just saying, like, know who you are, be true to who you are, and if you think people aren't coming in, they're not. I can I don't guarantee you, people are not going in. I don't think because it's they a, can't get a burger. Anymore. I don't think it's a lack of a, of people coming to the doors problem, though. I don't think they're. I don't think they're struggling financially. I think that they legitimately thought that this would be. That they have burgers now. They said they they've started. I mean, I guess they originally had burgers at the first IHOP. So this is going to be the first time they have burgers in a location since 1958. And I think they see that millennials want a ton of options and they're trying to keep up with the times. I don't. I mean, IHOP's always busy. Because they serve pancakes. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to stop serving pancakes. I don't know. I did like again, and then and then this is again, people listening. This is where I end up on a lot of things. <laughs> Which is, I don't care. Like, at the end of the day, like, <laughs> I genuinely don't care. Like, I'm not an IHOP person. I don't go to IHOP. It didn't work like, for us, but maybe it did for others. Right. And so it's like, okay, so I can, Let look, us at, know. I can look through this through different lenses. I can look at it through the, the just viral marketing, like, get as much attention as you possibly can lens, home run. I can look at this through the branding. Do you think this helps or hurts their branding? I think it reinforces everyone's, like... Love or recognition awareness of IHOP, yeah. Okay, I can see that. And then, it, and then it does it increase their customers? Does it make me want to go into their store any more often? And the answer is no. Yeah. So. I mean, but two out of three ain't bad. I guess that's true. Especially for like I said, this was brilliantly done. This was very. I gotta think this was cost effective. I mean, what could this have cost them? A few graphics, maybe paying off Wendy's and a couple others to use. You their really Twitter. think they pay off Wendy's? They, Wendy's Twitter base is huge. Right, but like, like I gotta think they did some kind of trade. Think they, they or, think, you don't think they just trolled Wendy's? Like this is like gonna set people off. Like you don't think that was just the idea? Like I just can't imagine. Like what does that provide? What does that give to Wendy's? And Wendy's basis, like they knew like I have. Wendy's has built this reputation of. But uh, so I was like Taco Bell. I mean, I and mean, they and they fed run like all these I know, places that that's have built what, up. Their, it's like the influencers of fast food, right? But but I think IHOP. If I'm sitting in the marketing, is like if we do this, this is going to set off. Like if we go say we're going to be burgers, and like Wendy's is not going to take take that line down. Like you have to know that Wendy's or all these different places are are they're going to use social media because what they don't want is is us to get all the attention, and so they're going to to do some sort of snarky tweet. Which is then that's going to get covered, and that's going to have this whole all these stories are written about about how smart and how creative Wendy's social media is, and so all we but, have to do is get them to respond, and then but I have too many stories about how smart and creative Wendy's social oh, media yeah. is throughout There's all this. Stuff. I mean, every time Wendy's gets like, in a fight with a customer, or, yeah. But I'm, I'm talking about in relation to the IHOP thing. Like, I've, you, it's only been about IHOP. Like, yeah, you've seen all these memes, but Wendy's is grouped in there with ten other fast food people. Like, I just don't think they got enough out of it to be able to. Like, to say, yes, here you go, IHOP, here's our platform for an entire day. I get that they wouldn't be one of, like left out, but I also don't think that there's no way that IHOP just did this and then all of these fast food joints uh, like will troll them at the same time brilliantly. I just it's one of those things where I think them it wouldn't it it was cost effective. I think if they paid off the social the other social media influencers <laughs> or the other social media fast food chains, that wouldn't be cost effective. Yeah. Burger King changed their Twitter profile to Pancake King. <laughs> it's a funny story. I don't care who like. At the end of the day, it's a funny story. Okay, so Pancake we're gonna, King. We're gonna move on. Sometimes that they're in a little bit longer than than I was planning. That's okay though. Um, the the other thing I want to talk about was um, 
speaking of cost effectiveness, there was a, a story in the paper uh, at Mind Reporter News, I don't know, early in the week or you know last week, talking about how much um, these these city council races are costing. I know you have, <laughs> know this probably better as, as as well as anyone. You know, it's an open request. Anybody can go find out how much how much um, these people are spending, where the money's coming from. Um, as someone that's been through this, that that has spent money to run for office, where do you come down on this? Is obviously the Supreme Court, if you will, has said that money is speech, and you can't put a limit on how much someone can spend on a campaign. But as as people that want to have more people involved in politics, involved in the community, is this a, a good or a bad thing? It's definitely a bad thing. I mean, I I mean, there's no, I mean, I don't think there's any way to look at it as a good thing. Um, I mean, it's it's money, a lot of money being spent on um, promotion of of things that don't yield, that don't have to cost as much to yield the value that they do. They, I mean, it just that's. I mean, it's. I mean, the I, truth is, the truth is, and and you know, that's a lot of money, and and the money goes to certain different places, and. You know, there's different, all these different things that you and I know, but as far as like different advertising people have to have to charge you basically the lowest fee possible so that it's not, anyone's getting a better rate. It's like a flat fee and all this stuff. But to me, as someone that's helped run campaigns, that has like run his own campaign himself, I will say, and it's been a peppy of a mine for years, is the biggest cost that we run into to me is these signs that are just everywhere and it becomes this competition this like yeah you know like inferiority complexes like i've got to have more signs i need more signs like <laughs> that i'm gonna drive around town and i'm gonna say okay i've got this many signs in the street so i've got this precinct covered when really basically i've paid not paid people for their votes but like you've it's had to put six four, it's six, four to six dollars in a, in a yard yes absolutely yeah and i I mean, politics is always a generation behind, right? Like, it's always trying to catch up. And I think that this is one of those things. I mean, remember uh, at the beginning of Mayor Williams' campaign, you and I, I, I floated the idea of not having yard signs. And everyone just, their heads about exploded and looked at Anthony like, get her out of here, what are you doing? And rightfully so at that point. But I really wanted to throw it out there. I mean, he was taking a risk on me. No idea was too small. And he was letting us kind of brainstorm anything. And I said, hey, you know, what if we think of something else to do and, and get really creative here and not spend all this money and resource on these yard signs? And we, you know, I quickly learned that's just, it's not an option right now. I mean, it's, um, I what, mean, what do you think a campaign like? Obviously, we've seen like some of the school board campaigns and things like that that, you know, spent very little money or, or no money and some had yard signs, some didn't like. If you were to run again, and so you had the idea of running Anthony's campaign. I had somewhat the idea when I was doing mine, you, you ran your own, like, can you run a race against someone that's going to do yard signs and and still win a race, do you think? No. Not in Abilene, Texas, not right now. I don't I, I don't know there's anywhere in the United States that you could pull that off. Um, why, why is it? Like, because I'm, I'm not necessarily sure I agree, but... Because, because going with the crowd... Um, feeling like you're part of something and I, identifying and 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 um, 
assimilating yourself with the cause in that way is still very poignant to people. It still really relates and is very emotional to people. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I can, you know, rag on yard signs all I want. I mean, and the cost is ridiculous and they're, I mean, I think they're, you know, unnecessary. Um, in my mind, they should be, but it still makes you emotional to drive up and see it. I don't know, you know, I mean, especially. Well, it feels good. It feels good. And like, I know, like I had people that donate, it's like, hey, you know, I want a, I want a campaign sign. It's yeah. Like, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, really, you're not going to do campaign signs? And it's like, you almost have to like run a commercial Hi, I'm so and so, and I'm not having like yeah. Just because you don't you see my name in a yard, run on that like, almost. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's exactly this is, right. This yeah. is one of my platforms. Is like I'm which not is still spending money. money. I mean, I mean, commercial TV commercial compared to I mean, you, you know, you can buy twenty yard signs for a TV commercial. So and 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 is that more effective? Is is seeing twenty yard signs and twenty yards and their neighbors and colleagues and friends and family seeing that yard sign? Um, does that not do a lot more than? One but, TV spot, but, but but the bigger picture, it, it, like we all, like I said, I, when I first started this topic, it's like we want more, more people involved in politics, and like that's an intimidating figure to look at. It's like how in the yeah. world, at, especially people we want young people, everybody, you mm-hmm. know, they always want young people involved in what's going on. It's like who, you know, not very many of us at the age of like thirty five, even forty, is like I've got a spare, yeah. Thirty thousand dollars in change. I mean, that, it's it's, it's unrealistic. And it's unrealistic, and I think that's, I mean, largely what the problem is and has been for a long time is that, I mean, you 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 gotta have resources and time and money to run and time. Uh, yeah, time. The thing we haven't even talked about is how much time it takes to yeah. you gotta put into it. And unfortunately, um, not a lot of people have that opportunity or have an excess of either of those things. I think it's a shame that it costs so much of both, but um, I'm not here by any means say I have the answer to, to remedy that because I knew we knew it was going to cost a lot of money. My husband and I made the decision to invest it in ourselves because, like you said, we knew, you know, our friends, um, I mean, we weren't going to go to our friends asking for, you know, $5,000 in contributions. And um, that's, again, why I thought running right now is so important is because I um, – felt really connected to a generation and felt really blessed to have the opportunity to be able to do this. And, um, it's pretty unrealistic in most cases. And it's a shame. Well, and I think, you know, what I would love to see to kind of come out of it is we need to find more ways to put, put, put people on platforms. I mean, I know, Y'all did the debate on K Texas. You did the debate on K Tab or KRC, whichever one of those two channels it was on. K-Tab. You had a couple different forums, but like one of the things that you and I talked about is just the the splintered media market that's out out in, Amer- in Abilene. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone's got their own personal. Like I watch this local channel. I read you know sometimes I read the paper or sometimes I read it online or I wa- I just read the articles that get posted on Facebook or like there's no kind of national or citywide brand that says. You know, when when we, we don't all gather around get, anymore. gather around, yeah. There's no yeah. fireside chats with the president type yeah. of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that I think has made it hard that that you can't. There's not that big moment, that whole that big aha moment where someone stands up and they can get in front of a portion of the voting public. You know, can't get in front of seven thousand people on one day and say. Me versus this person, we're going to debate the issues, and I'm going to come across as the more composed, smart, charismatic, whatever things people vote on, yeah. and and actually get it done. And 
when you can't do that, when there's not that free platform that kind of, you know, just get your, throw your hat in the ring and be involved, it, you have to spend money to, to get the word out there or have just an incredible grassroots campaign. And yeah. that really doesn't and that work here in Abilene either. It, which, and it also takes time. Grassroots did, I mean, I would say grassroots really worked for Mayor Williams. I mean, I think his campaign was largely. I, I think it does to, to, uh, 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 to a point, but in the day, it was still only twelve thousand people voted out of seventy. Well, what was it eighty-five thousand registered voters? Yeah. Like, well, and that's I think you got thing. more voters, but I mean, it, that brings us to like another you, point. Like, in it this. wasn't like anybody like galvanized the entire voting public where we're turning out and th- yeah. Like, if we quadrupled the the people that voted in the mayor runoff, we would still only be at half of the registered voters voting. Yeah, it's incredibly sad. Yeah. I mean, but that, I mean, and, and that's also maybe another caveat of this. Does does the cost of being a candidate make you unrelatable to the majority of the voting bloc? And, I mean, because if you, I mean, you need time and resources, and the majority of the voting bloc don't have those things. So if you're not spending time in their communities in your day-to-day, does that alienate a lot of people? Well, um, if you're listening to this listening to this, this week, um, be sure you go vote on Saturday. Um, if it's after Saturday, obviously the election has already happened and, uh, attend the council meeting, attend the council meeting, go show up, go speak. Um, but maybe next week, Alex and I will talk about based on who wins or we see the direction of the council headed, because I do think this is going to have a, have a major impact on, well, it could have a, I guess when a, when a incumbent runs, it could have a non-impact. It could just go back to what it was, or mm-hmm. obviously it could have a, have a drastic change in a new direction. So, um, We'll be right back with my conversation with uh, James Redwell of Sock Dollager Brewing Company. As I told you last week, we are going to try to add a little marketing tip to each one of these podcasts. So this is the first one. The first tip is understanding exactly what a blog is and how it can help you grow your business. A lot of people, when they hear blog, they think of, uh, you know, these stories that you hear about online about people that wrote a blog and they make lots of money and all these different things. And it's like, well, I'm not a writer. I'm not a blogger. But it can actually have a serious impact on the quality of your Google results, your SEO, which is search engine optimization. Uh, Writing a blog, whether that's a weekly or a monthly blog, whatever, as long as it's consistent, is adding content to your website. What, what Google really wants to do is to provide anybody searching for something the very best result it can. And so every single day, at all times, it's crawling the internet for new information to store, its, store in its databases. When you spend time and write a blog or have someone write a blog for you and, and add it to your website, it increases the likelihood of Google finding that and saying, oh, this website is an expert in X, whatever you're doing, whatever that blog's about. So each and every time that you write a blog, it's just adding more pages for Google to find, thus increasing the likelihood of someone finding your website online. So when you hear blog, don't think blog as in that's all it's on a website. Think this is a way to show the internet and thus potential clients that I'm an expert in this subject and that I know what I'm talking about and I can help them and, and meet their needs. So that's your first tip for Naturally Outlink Podcast. Be sure that if your company has any sort of website, that you're also having a blog so that people can find you.
All right, we're here today with uh, James Bridwell of Sock Dolliger Brewing Company. Nailed it. Nailed it. Crushed it. I was super nervous. So let's <laughs> let's start there. Where did the name come from? Uh, I was brought on after the name, um, but one of our owners, Alex Nicolato, used to many many years ago have these backyard parties for young Air Force guys uh, where they would grill for them and. He was home brewing at the time, and they would give them free beer and free food as a way to kind of integrate new young Air Force guys into the Abilene community to show them that, hey, there's fun times here. Um, they did that for a while. One night, they were hitting the homebrew pretty hard, and they were like, let's, let's look into some 1920 slang. That sounds fun. Um, I think listening to Postmodern Chewbots kind of led them down that road, and um, they came across this word, Sock Dolliger. Um, and they just started calling these gatherings Sock Dolliger Saturdays. Uh, well, Sock Dolliger Saturdays turned into um, homebrewing with the three original um, members of Sock Dolliger, and that turned into, hey, what if we open the brewery, and that turned into an actual brewery. But it's an old 1920s term that was mostly used in boxing. The last punch of a boxing match was the Sock Dolliger Punch. That's uh, so where we get sock them in the mouth. But it means like something exceptional, something that stands out, something great. Um, we put it over our door because so many people ask, what the heck's this word, man? Yeah. Um, so now it's like right up there, bud. Right up there. So if you come in and after the, the name gets created, where in the timeline do you come on, come on board? Uh, probably six months after conception of this idea of what if we opened a brewery. Um, I got to know Alex and one of the original members, Nick. Nick got restationed and had to move, and so some some stuff happened. Just it just didn't work out. Um, and we were hanging out at Bappy's one day, and he heard I was a home brewer. And they tried some of our beer and a couple of my beer, and we started brewing together. And then one day he was like, "Hey, you want to open this brewery with us?" And I was like, "Yeah, that sounds pretty neat." So. Uh, if if we were just talking, I would call you a brew master. Is that like a technical term? Can I, I call you that? Is that like I don't. What what don't what do you call yourself? Term. I just say I'm head brewer. Head brewer, okay. Um, brew master is like an actual earned title. Okay. Um, so I I typical typically shy away from that because I don't consider myself a brew master. I'm still learning. I'm still growing, and I have not been to like official school. School, yeah. <laughs> What what got you into brewing in the first place? I uh, started brewing with my dad when I was a kid. Um, did a little bit in college before I was 21 um, because we wanted beer. Uh, home brewed through college. Then I started working at Barley Hoppers when that opened. That kind of like reinvigorated my kind of passion for craft beer. And here I am. <laughs> here you are. So, what's the process? How y'all been open for over a year, right? A year and three months. Yeah, a little over a year. What's what's been that process like? What, you know, what one of the things we want to do with the podcast is talk to people in different stages of business and talk about how they're using technology or different avenues a way of getting their message out. What is has that changed? Kind of what's the process been like? You know, fifteen months into it. Um. Our naivete got the best of us. Um, everyone tells you double or triple whatever you're thinking about spending. 
That's true. <laughs> you're going to spend a lot of money, no matter how much you say you're not, and how creative and innovative and um, hands-on you are with everything. You're going to spend a lot of money. Um, but from day one open to where we are now, um, we're just way more, I guess, honest with ourselves about everything. Um, like I was saying earlier, we don't, we didn't have a marketing budget. And so there was no, well, we'll spend this on radio ads and we'll spend this on this. It was just like, Hey, everybody tell everyone, you know, about us. Um, it's marketing. And so we tried to get beer into people's hands and let people taste the liquid and say, Hey, yeah, see, it's actually good. You can like support us, tell people that, tell your friends. Um, and anybody, anytime somebody was like, Hey, can we have your beer at this event? What's it going to cost? We're like, nothing. It's free. Just put our logo on it. Yeah. Like just tell everybody we'll be there. Um, so for a year now, that's kind of been our plan is anywhere we can put our logo. That's where we put our logo. Anytime we can talk about ourselves, we talk about ourselves, um, because we believe in what we do. Um, we have fun with it. So. Where, where do you, where have you found Abilene's? beer taste? I mean, maybe from where you started or maybe when you came to Abilene to where it is now, is Abilene an adventurous town when it comes to trying new stuff? Has it been kind of, hey, come on, come along, try this new thing, we'll test it out? What's Where's Abilene's beer palette out at? With the base, we get a pretty healthy mix of, of people who are willing to try, people who are determined never to try anything new. Um <clears throat> But it's like Abilene's like 10 or 12 years in the past. I say seven, uh, but 10 or 12 is probably fair. <laughs> I always go seven years in the past. IPA is the most popular craft beer style on the market. It is the driving force in craft beer. And I would say 70% of the people who walk up to our bar want nothing to do with IPA. Yeah. Which is insane because everybody's number one brand is an IPA. Um, and so our IPA is tame and little and not offensive at all. Uh, but we still offend people with it. because like, oh, it's so bitter. And I, <laughs> I don't know what to do with this beer. I'm like, guys, just try some stuff. We'll talk in four months. You'll be drinking IPA. It's yeah. Fine. So like, that's kind of where we see us at is we're serving a craft beer market that's 10 years behind. Um, and everybody wants fizzy yellow beer. Yeah. As, as people come in to talk dollar for the first time, they say, what's... What's the bell count? What what if I got to try one beer here? What what are y'all pointing to people right now? We push people to our five and dime general ale. It's our busy yellow beer. It's yeah. our blonde ale, um, and it's unoffensive. It's bready and biscuity. It's the closest we're gonna get to a light beer. Uh, and then our big country common amber ale because uh, it's it's busy, it's light, and it's a little shiner esque. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some caramel notes, some bread toasted notes. Uh, that people kind of are familiar with, but it's not so offensive that they're just like, oh, I can't even give that another sip. Which is the biggest challenge is like people try something and that first sip is so different from what they're used to uh, that if we can just get people to try to take one more sip, they'll go, oh, you know, that's actually not so bad. It's just not what they have in their head when they're thinking beer, so they taste it and it's, they've done. Yeah. They're out. Do you, when y'all look at some of the other local brewers and, and things that are going on in town or, or, you know, the craft brew revolution that the country as a whole has kind of gone through over the past, whatever, 10, 12 years. Do y'all see those? I mean, obviously there's somewhat competition because in the day they're either picking A or B, mm-hmm. but, but do y'all, 
where Abilene is right now, do y'all see that more of as a, as a high tide rises all boats? If we can get more people just drinking good beer and stop kind of getting the generic, you know, stuff that spends millions of dollars in TV ads and, and tries local stuff, the better right now. And then we'll kind of fight for, for dominance later down the road. Or are, are y'all trying, is there like a healthy competition between the different places? What's, what's the situation there? As far as like us and Pappy's goes, like we're buds. Yeah. Like, we go down there and drink. We go down here and drink. We're not each other's enemies. Like, and we both realize that. That we're trying to pull people from a. I'm not trying to pull people from a Pappy's market. I'm trying to pull people from a Miller Coors Bud market. Right. I'm trying to get them to stop drinking that and to drink this. And if Pappy's can pull them away from that and they'll drink Pappy's, then eventually they'll come down. Yeah, here. they'll try something. Eventually they'll try my product. And so that's the fight. Is us. Both saying, drink local, drink Texas, support small business. This is literally West Texas beer made by West Texans and Abilene for you. Yeah. And just getting people to realize that, like, we're out here because we want you to have beer that's fresh. We want you to have beer that's yours. And eventually, people come around. Yeah. And so, whether they come down here and try our stuff first, and they'll be here all day, and like, man... This was great. We had a great time. And when you're leaving, we say, well, if you've got 10 minutes, go down to Pappy's and have one more. Yeah. And just see that there's somewhere else in town. And we push business to each other. Um, I don't think we ever fight over. Yeah. There's too much too much of a market to fight over. Well, and, and kind of on, on that same train of thought as far as the local and things like that, Abilene, at least when I was growing up, was seemed very chain-oriented. You, you know, you went to the chain um, pizza place, you went to the chain, you know, the chain burger place and, and on down the line. We have seen slowly but surely this growth of local places. How, how important is it for those local places on the food side to start kind of bubbling up? Because it seems like y'all do a great job of having partnerships with those local mm-hmm. eateries as a way of introducing that way you're not trying to pitch this huge corporation to start serving your, your brew in a local store. You're just trying to talk to your neighbor down the street. Yeah. Someone that's in the downtown association or the chamber, whoever that you're seeing on a regular basis. Talk about that kind of that symbiotic relationship. For us, it's, it is disingenuous of us to be a small local Texas business, begging people to support local businesses if we're not supporting local businesses ourselves. Um, and Abilene is that weird place when I moved here. And the first time I saw like the Abilene Reporter News Best of Awards or whatever, and it's like Best Italian in town. Olive Garden. Yeah. I'm like, just lie to yourselves and say it's the local Italian place. <laughs> but they don't. Like People here love chain restaurants, and it's really hard to pull them away from that. But the more that we can partner with places like Vagabond, we can partner with places like Stillwater Barbecue or uh, the new one out there, the Shed Market. Um, the more we can do that, the more um, we can pull people away from those chains. And yeah, we tell people that this is local beer. When I'm getting my I'm getting my malt from Germany, I'm getting my hops from Idaho and Washington or Germany. Um, we're pulling in products from all over the world, but and Vagabond is doing the same, and other businesses are doing the same. But when it all comes here, we we turn it into something local here. Right. Um, and I think we just want to get everyone else on board with that. Like they're doing, we're doing this for y'all. Um, and if we can 
point at other local businesses and say, look at this cool local thing that this business is doing and this one is doing, then for us it's just the more you get people on board supporting local, the more we'll be supported. So it's kind of selfish in itself, but at the same time we actually really do believe in these other yeah. small local businesses and want great things for them. Well, I think one of the things that I've always appreciated about y'all and it's something that we try to do to do as well is we want to be the very best in Abilene, but we also want to take advantage of all the things that the internet, that the world's got to offer. I know you just got back from basically some sort of brewing conference or something mm-hmm. like that. Talk about why you decided, like, why that's important and kind of some things that you may have picked up that you're ready to bring back here um, and, and, and love to see implemented. For us, it's we, we went for the marketing aspect of it. There's so much... So so many small brew pubs are opening all over the country. I think we're we've broke six thousand breweries in America right now, uh, which is insane. Um, but there's still so much there's so much room for growth because we're growth we're only we're only three percent of the market. Um, so we go out there and we try to figure out how can we do this better? How can we do a tap room better? Um, how do we drive more business here? How do we partner with local businesses to co-brand together and say we made a beer with Jay's Barbecue. They smoked some malt for us, um, and now we made a traditional German-style Roush beer, and they did it for us. And so we pushed their name out. They pushed our name over here, and we're just trying to figure out better ways to market ourselves um, and also what, to get out of Abilene and yeah. figure out what's innovative, what's new, what's fresh, what are they doing in Houston, and what are they doing in Chicago, and what are breweries doing in California that we may not hear about out here in West Texas. For us, it's going out there and seeing what's new and what's fresh and what can we um, grab hold of and bring back to Abilene um, to kind of introduce to the market here so well, we can bring innovation here. And one of the things we've talked a little bit to, about, too, is kind of this, um, there's been a creation of some sort of like lobbying group um, for the, at the state level for these for local breweries and, and, and kind of brew pubs or whatever it is. Are you all involved in that? Do you pay attention? What are some issues on a on a law slash regulation point of view that, that you would love to see kind of taken care of or, or looked at that are hindering y'all from growing. I mean, we always talk, you always hear politicians and different people that want to be involved in, in leadership and in, in any sort of government or chamber or whatever about helping small businesses grow. Um, but what happens is, is these things just kind of start, they start out of people's home brewers and then grow and then grow and grow. All of a sudden, it yeah. doesn't governments feel like they don't have any regulation don't have any oversight so then they kind of either put the same regulations on y'all that they may have on big breweries or they just slam new things on what are some things that y'all are dealing with on kind of a on that side of things uh well we are members of the texas craft brewers guild and we do contribute to the texas craft pack which is our texas craft brewers pack to where we can give money to lobbyists and we have our own lobbyists now um and we're doing that as a brew pub, and a lot of the beef that uh, breweries are having right now is that in Texas you have two different brewers' license. There's a brew pub license and a brewery license. Um, brew pub has some stipulations on it, like we can only self-distribute so much, we can only manufacture so much, but we can sell beer to go. Um, we can sell wine in our in our areas, um, and our taxes are a little bit lower. Uh, these the breweries are what are struggling with all these um, distributor lobbyists setting, having regulations set on them. 
Um, essentially, what distributors don't like is that when a customer comes into a brewery or a brew pub, they're buying direct from me, and there is no middleman. So if they come here and they're buying canned beer off my shelf, um, they're losing money. And I'm making all of that money that they could have been making. They don't like that. They can't really do anything about brew pubs right now, but the breweries are not allowed to sell beer to go in any way, shape, or form. No growlers, no cans, no bottles, no nothing. You can go in there and have a pint of beer, but you can't take anything to go, which is kind of silly that right. one license can do it and another can. And they've also just passed a law, well, HB 3287, um, which is essentially them stealing from us and limiting growth, uh, I say us, from breweries, um, that says if you produce X number of barrels a year, that you can only sell X numbers of kegs through your year, through your tap room a year before you have to start selling kegs to a distributor and then buying them back to sell in your own tap room. Wow, okay. Which is stealing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a stealing. It's a, ta- it's, a, it's a long way of making a tax, basically. And so, yeah. The, the barrelage that you have to pr- produce is huge. It only affects like three or four breweries in the state right now. But now that it's been passed... A precedent's the, been a, set. A precedent's been set, and they can begin to walk that back. So, like, breweries like Oscar Blues, Carbach, um, St. Arnold, and one other one, Shiner, I believe, which Shiner's owned by Miller, Carbach's owned by ABM Dev. They don't care. Yeah. Um, but places like Oscar Blues, it does matter. They still are small and independent. Even though they're huge, they are small in comparison. They're independently owned. Um, and so... What motivation does a brewery have to grow is if they hit that barrelage, now they're going to be penalized for growth. So now breweries can't open a second location across the state and essentially double their sales because what if they hit that barrelage? Now they're going to get a fine tax on or put on essentially. So breweries say, why would we grow? We'll just stay where we're at, which yeah. is never good for a state. Yeah, you, just... you always want to create growth. Absolutely. Um, so stuff like that is what's happening in the industry, and that's why we have to create these packs um, in order to fight back against distributors who have millions and millions and millions of dollars in our pack. Last I got a report had sixty thousand dollars in it. Oh wow! So <laughs> we're fighting. We're, I mean, that's after we've spent money on lobbyists right. and everything. But we're fighting back as best we can, um, and trying to but, trying to get our local reps to say or to stop voting against small businesses. Yeah. So, so at All The Natural, we always talk about how the most important thing you can do in marketing um, and in any sort of advertising marketing is to tell your story. So we want to end all these interviews, these conversations we have with a chance for you to take a few minutes. Just I know we talked, you've answered some questions, but just kind of unfiltered. Tell the story why why people in Abilene or that are visiting Abilene should come to Sock or have a pint. What do you want them to leave? What do you want the story them, of them to story do you want them to remember about y'all uh for us we decided to do this because we all kind of decided um i married a girl who got a job here and i kind of got quote-unquote stuck here nikki's been in the air force and he's been stationed here his entire career he's kind of stuck here uh will is the oddball he has no desire to leave west texas um god bless him um but we're all here and we are in abilene we get to this place where um, you just get tired of hear, hearing people complain about 
Abilene doesn't have this, and Abilene doesn't have that. And what if it was this? And why, I've got to go to Austin to do this. And we, we were kind of just like, if you just quit whining and, one, look around Abilene. There's plenty of cool stuff to do around Abilene if you just care. Um, and then if you want something here in Abilene, slap customing money and do it. And so that's kind of where we got to this point where, like, we have Pappies and we want to kind of a thriving craft beer scene here. So let's just do it. Let's put the money out there and let's show some show some people that we're, we're willing to take a risk um, and do it ourselves. Um, and essentially, while we're doing that, we're running forward and yelling at people, come come along with us, come along with us, and like let's we see what we think Abilene can be, and we're just tired of waiting for it to be that, and we're just going to do it. We're just that we do it ourselves. Well, every every industry, every every town needs those Pied Pipers, and and that's absolutely what y'all and what Pappy are. You're the Pied Pipers for this craft brew revolution that's taken over, like I said, taken over the whole country, but maybe has not really happened in its fullness here in Abilene, and and I appreciate. Let them come by and visit. If you're out there, if you're listening to the podcast, give everybody kind of when y'all are open, when they can come by, get a get a beer. Um, and if they're if you're not open during a certain time, where they can find it in the Abilene area. Um, we're at 720 China Street. We're open on Fridays from five to ten. Saturdays eleven to eleven. Uh, we're family friendly. Uh, people bring their kids out here. Kids play in the field. Parents have a beer um, and sit around and shoot the bull for a while. Um, if I don't mean not- to, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's that's absolutely absolutely true. It's the number one thing I get asked a lot about when I say we're going up to Sock Dollar or whatever is, well, I get my kids. You know, this is an absolutely, hundred percent family friendly place. This yeah. is not a bar per se that you're going and sitting yeah. at a bar, you know, sitting in a bar and having a beer and looking straight ahead. This is y'all have created an atmosphere. Y'all have created games and fields and all sorts yeah. of things for the family so that parents can come out and have a good time, but also yeah. kids will not feel like. They're yeah, tugging at your sleeve t- to be ready to go. We try and give an opportunity for kids to be entertained, for parents to relax, somehow at the same time. Um, and so we work really hard at that. We wanted a more European feel to the space. Um, and we think we've we've gotten there for the most part. Um, so, yeah, we're open all day Saturday, Friday night. We're going to add Thursdays pretty soon and do a little trivia night. Um, if we're not open, you can usually call up here if you want a growler filled, and I'll be up here, and you can come fill it. Um, but we're on tap around town at 14 different places right now, and we add about a bar every week, uh, just kind of slowly growing at our pace. Growing at our pace is really important to us. We don't want to grow when people tell us to grow. We grow when we want to grow. Um, social media? On social media, I'm assuming? Yeah, we're on Instagram, Facebook. Um, some people tell us we need Twitter, but I don't really <laughs> understand Twitter anymore. It's all right. Um, but Instagram and Facebook is pretty much where you can stay up to date with us. We post everything that we do on those two platforms. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for letting us come by and have a drink and, and chat a little bit about yeah. what you all are doing. Appreciate no it. Thanks for coming by. Awesome. It's time once again for What's Happening Abilene. We really want to create a, a place where all the different community events that are happening in Abilene are in one place. Whether you listen to the, the conversations that Alex and I have or the interviews that we do, uh, at the very least, if you listen to the very end, you're going to find out what's going on in Abilene. Um, like James said in our conversation, we always want to let people know that there's fun things going on in Abilene. There's tons of stuff going on. So here's kind of our rundown. Each week, if you have suggestions, have 
things on the calendar that you know about that you want us to make sure that we can mention the podcast, please let us know. Reach out to us on social media. We'd be glad to add it in here. Uh, first thing, the Paramount Film Series uh, on uh, the 15th and 16th of June is going to be showing It Happened One Night. So two different nights you can make uh, if you can make it. Uh, it's a good time to go out there and, and see, a, see a movie at the old Paramount, which is a lot of fun. Uh, secondly, on Thursday uh, in the morning at 8.30, there's a city council meeting. So if you want to be involved and know what's going on in town, obviously uh, not everybody can do it because of work. It's always uh, simulcast online. So if you want to check it out online, if you can't be there, uh, get involved in the community, get involved in local politics so you know what's going on in our city. That night at 7 p.m., we have Grace After Dark. It's always a fun event. Um, be sure to check it out. They have tons of information on their Facebook page about what's going on. Um, but Grace After Dark on Thursday is another great thing for you, to, for you to do. Obviously, Saturday we have the election, so be sure that you get out and vote uh, this Saturday. Also, at 9.30 in the morning, the stand-up paddleboarding at Fort Phantom is going to do uh, stand-up paddleboarding yoga. So if you want any more information, check out the guys at stand-up paddleboarding Abilene. Uh, out on Fort Phantom, and they will be sure to let you know. So that's it. That's all we have so far for What's Up Abilene this week. Uh, hopefully this list will grow every single week. More things to do. Uh, there's plenty of things happening in Abilene. You just got to go look for it a little bit, and hopefully this will help you in the future. This is typically where we will end each podcast after What's Up Abilene, uh, but if you'll just stay tuned for just one second, uh, we have a little message from Alex. This podcast is dedicated to our friend, Wesley Smith. A whole city loves you, and a whole city grieves for you, my friend. We love you.